The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. up welcome to episode number 367 of on the corner the official pitcherlist.com podcast i'm your host alex fast joined as always by the freshly trimmed nick pollock nick how you doing what is happening it's about time i know nick pollock's hair the twitter account has to put out an update i haven't mm. done a video yet with it but we do have PitchCon in a week it is january 25th i know i haven't put out the the massive tweets and article yet with all the details we're still hashing some of it out but yeah, it's going to be there, pitchless.com slash pitchcon. You can watch it all there. You can donate to, uh, to the ALS Association. 100% of what we raise at PitchCon this year is going to ALS. We're not taking any of it. Awesome. Uh, we cannot wait to do this. You can also watch it at twitch.tv slash pitcherlist. It's going to start at 11 a.m. to, uh, I believe, 10 p.m. all four days. So that's Wednesday through Saturday because some people like to watch football on Sunday. I don't know why. But some people do. So that's PitchCon, January 25th, 28th. I hope you guys are there. And I had to, you know, not look like I've been in a hobbit hole for the last yeah. five months. So I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, you I think you look great. Haircut. Oh, thank you. We, I do think it's very fu- funny that both of us, after mentioning in back to back podcasts that we were growing out our hair and beard, both of us got haircuts and beard trims. Uh, and that's very funny to me. It just means that even though we're 3,600 miles away, we're still very much uh, in simpatico. Before we uh, kick off, uh, you know, today is going to be a uh, pictures number 11 through 20 for you. I have to apologize for celery gate. I really could have sworn <laughs> I was <laughs> I was eating a piece of celery with the mic off. But apparently some people DM'd Nick and said, you know, Alex was not as quiet as he thinks with that celery. I was so hungry and hadn't eaten and I had to have some celery. And uh, listen, I, I abhor mouth sounds like that. So the fact that I put you all through that, I, I felt I, I felt I thought about it every day. Uh, so um, I, I'm, I, 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 I apologize. If you have some amazing celery, though, you know, like, let me tell Ooh. you, I've got the best stuff. Send it to Alex fast. DM him on Twitter. He yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to. No, please don't. God, I would. I just would. That would. Oh, God. It makes me like the sound. You know what sound really grosses me out? Actually, I'm not even going to say it. Some people are going to send it to me. Well, I'll, I'll tell it to you. That you were you were celery banned for Halloween, weren't you? Uh, 
I should be. Computer, show me Celery Man. Let's boost the 3D, 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 3. Um, all right, that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about, as I've said, Nick's 11 through 20. Um, uh, you know, I, I came to a realization as I was also making my rankings, you know, in these past coming weeks. None of this means anything. Uh, it just means nothing. And you want to know why it's so futile? Because these guys in in... in I've been fortunate enough in the past couple of years to get to know some pitchers and talk about what they do in the offseason. And honestly, what they do sometimes is they just try and change things to see if they can get a new pitch or a new grip or tweak the grip on a pitch that they have to make it better, which is going to drastically impact their arsenal. And, you know, I'm sitting here looking at whips and wobas and ex-wobas and swinging strike rates and arsenal usages. And sometimes it's just so unpredictable. Uh, there's there's a guy who I believe we're actually going to talk about today um, who did something like this. Is this true? Yes, it is. Uh, number 17. We're going to talk about him a little bit later, who kind of made one of those changes. So we'll get back into that later. But that aside, we're looking at 11 through 20. We're even going to do something fun at number 20 where we're going to help. Nick de- yeah, we're going to help Nick decide. We're going to help Nick decide who number 20 really should decided, be. though. Okay, well, let's just take the fun out of that one. Let's I'm just, just kidding, guys. <clears throat> I mean, let's I don't just suck it right out. No, I mean, honestly, as I mentioned on um, Rob D. Pietro's podcast, Pull Hitter, and we did last week, um, this is the 24 aces of dubs. Mm. So 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 are kind of included sure. inside of the guys we talk about today. So there really are maybe five different pitchers. That could be number 20. I think I have decided, but you know what? I could be convinced otherwise. Fast could just say some really smart things. Maybe. And we'll talk uh, it out. You know, you often do say some very smart things. But I'm Thank excited. you very much. I'm excited because I mean, when it comes to tiers, which we didn't do last week, we got to do that. You know, I, we realized after the cast, we didn't do tiers, and that's, we mm-hmm. know, a staple. Um, I did get a DM actually being like, Nick, where are the tiers? And all right, we're, we're absolutely going to do that one. Um, okay. But it does carry over into this episode, so... If you just listen to the top 10 and you're jumping into 11, 20, you're, you're doing the right thing. Okay. So uh, how many tiers are in this one? This is one tier. <laughs> it's just one tier. And then, okay. So I, I, mean, I guess maybe, maybe 20 is a separate one that, that probably is the fourth tier. Okay. But I'm going to give you a category. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, so the category is, I'm going to need you to do the tiers for the first podcast. The and then, yeah. And then this, right. so the category is Marvel films. Marvel films? Yeah, Marvel films is oh, is the category. Okay. Marvel yeah. films is the category. Oh boy. All right, so let's start from the top. Now, I, I can I can go ahead. You actually probably have your t- I had to close out our Discord cuz you're having some weird funky internet issues. You probably have your top 10 ahead of you, right? So read off your top 10 where the tiers are and what Marvel films uh they are. I know I Corbin just, Burns. Uh, what is the best Marvel film? I don't know. None. For, that well that <laughs> I, I mean, I enjoy Marvel films fast. They're, they're fine. fun. They're, yeah, they're fine. But they're not, you know, they they like I will go and see them. And I'll, I'll have a smile on my face and all of that. What is the best Marvel film? I don't know. I don't know. I know I can't say Dark Knight. Um, that's not Marvel, Nick. Anyway, that is Burns, Cole, and Alcantara. Uh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this in tiers of Marvel films that I wish existed. <laughs> I don't think that's how this works, but okay. <laughs> Um, I want a Marvel film that is, uh, Loki and the Hulk hanging out. That would be my tier okay. one. Is it it's called just, Low Key Hulk? 
Like L O W K E Y Hulk. Called, it's called uh, Hulky. Hulky. Yeah, I like mine better. Uh, yeah, all right, Loki, let's go to the next Loki, year. Loki. It's called the Loki, the Loki Pokey. Okay. <laughs> so that is that is tier one. I uh, tier two. Um, so that is Zach Wheeler, Brandon Woodruff, Carlos Rodon, Shane McClanahan, uh, Max Scherzer, Jacob Degrom. Um, that's tier two. That one. Oh God, what I like. What is a what is a Marvel film wish existed? Well, I don't know why you changed it. It was so much easier because before. I, I didn't have because I don't really have like too much affinity for the other ones. Okay, all right, fair enough. You know, You're like oh Nick, just do Infinity War then. That's what you mean. No, um, I would say I want there to exist a Spider-Man inside the Spider Verse inside mm-hmm. the actual cinematic universe. Oh, okay, so like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Kind of like keeps popping into other movies at certain times. No, but I want no, no. Uh, Spider-Man's Into the Spider Verse is like mm-hmm. the best one. Sure, but it's not really like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, but I wish it were. Okay, all right. And then what about for eleven through twenty? Tom this, Holland's this, like, yo, what is this? This is crazy. That's what sure. I want. I Great want Tom Holland. Yeah, that's uh, my I, I, best Tom Holland ever. <laughs> more like Hom Tolland. Uh, then we have tier tier three, which mm-hmm. is Luis Castillo, and then I uh, and then we'll get to tier four later. Ha ha! Very good. I don't have to come up with it now. Wow, what an amazing podcast this is. Uh, <laughs> the best one. I uh, I would say, uh, who is my favorite? I mean, I already did Spider Man. That's probably the better best one. Okay, I would say a Wolverine movie. Um. That is just the sequel of the little mini Wolverine from the Wolverine movie. Mm-hmm. And not like with all the other side characters. So like literally just that girl, that story going on her own. I want that film. I don't want like other characters to get in her way. Like I just want that one. Is Marvel not, is X-Men not a part of the Marvel universe? Because I know X-Men was, I'm not getting down this rabbit hole. It is. Um, it is. It is. It's, on, it's on the cinematic thing, I think. The movie Logan, there was that girl who's amazing. I just want like a. Yeah, that movie was fantastic. Um, all right. We did that. Thank you very much for sticking with us and fast forwarding <laughs> through that. Uh, we Let's get to. buddy. You made it harder. All you have to do is say Infinity, Black Panther, and Endgame. That's it. Over. Done. There's no creativity. There's no fun. Oh, God. Um, All right. Let's get into number 11 here. Uh, Justin Verlander. So he pops outside of the top 10 here. Um, Obviously, you know, comes back from Tommy John last year. Throws 175 innings of the sub two ERA. There are some concerns, obviously, that this was kind of a a smoke and mirrors thing. He's also what going into his age 39 season, 38, 39 season for a new club. But he is further removed from Tommy John and obviously won the Cy Young last year. I've got some thoughts on him, but I want to hear yours first. Why is Justin Verlander outside the top 10 and why is he at number 11? So Verlander is actually going to be 40 uh, February 40th. Wow. Yeah. Um. The reason I keep going back and forth on Justin Verlander, because there's one thing to be said about you come off of Tommy John, you throw 175 innings. And if you want to find negativity, you can find it saying like, well, that's a lot of workload to have thus future injury and he's 40. Or if you want to find positivity, you'll find it because the dude just threw 175 innings of some of his best baseball ever, despite being 39 and coming off of Tommy John. 
So you can look at it either way, which means I just kind of throw it all out. <laughs> I, I can't really put any sort of argument either way because there's positivity and negativity to look at. Okay. So when it comes to his stuff, I think he actually performed better against the lefties than he did right-handers last year. I'm a little concerned that the four-seamer isn't as overwhelming as it used to uh, used to be. Um, and the slider is good, uh, but it's not the devastator. I mean, he's really good against lefties, not as good against righties. And that's it. I mean, that's really Justin Verlander. And I still have my concern that he will get worse next year. Um, not injury-wise, just that the four-seamer that used to be a 15% plus swing strike rate pitch is now 10%, and that's not as good. 31% hard contact allowed last year on that four-seamer for Verlander. Uh, the slider is still really good for the most part. Curve is more of a um, called strike pitch and less of a put-me-away pitch. Um, but overall, I mean... It, it's good. It's just, I don't know how far down it's going to go. Everyone's going to say, no, his FIP was 249 and our X ERA was 235. But well, it's not really about that. He's not going to have a six hit per nine. Um, he's not going to have a 0.83 whip. Everything is going to get worse in some fashion. Uh, and it gets corrected. 81% left on base rate, low home river fly ball rate, 240 Babbitt, which is kind of justified. Honestly, he did really well at lots of fly balls that generally mean lower Babbitt for Justin Verlander, mm-hmm. but it's just, I don't, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. And uh, yeah, I, I honestly compared to everyone else in this tier, Justin Verlander should be able to go every five days. He's clearly a workhorse with it should be productive. It, the floor isn't as low as I think I made it out to be initially when I did these ranks in October and Verlander, you'll be happy with it. Um, it, he doesn't come with the same risk, I think, as some of the other guys that we're going to talk about later today um, in the middle tier um, uh, or middle of the teens here. But I think it's reaching too far to think he's going to do the same thing again. That's why you have like Brendan Woodruff ahead of him, Zach Wheeler ahead of him, and why I made the decision to put Luis Castillo ahead of him as well. And I will mention that Verlander had uh, about 200, no, 185 strikeouts last year across 175 innings. Are we expecting more than 175 innings again? I'd say probably not. Uh, That means not really a 200 strikeout season ahead as I don't think he's going to replicate that 28% carry. So yeah, it's, so it's not as like top five SP upside as some of the other ones in this tier, but it is a very good foundation. So I'm all for Justin Verlander at 11. I'm with you. I, I, I think, so here's some of the kind of alarming things that I noticed about Verlander. Lowest strikeout percentage since 2017. It's lowest home run. Still 28%. Yeah, but it, it's it's trending in a different direction, sure, right? Absolutely. Which was interesting. Uh, lowest home run to fly ball rate of his career plus a 240 Babbitt. That all just means, in my opinion, that I mean, obviously, he's not going to have a sub two ERA, right? That's just, that, there's we no know. question that yes. that's not going to happen. Um, there's such a large disparity between the amount of hard contact that he allowed, specifically on the four seamer, and the actual res- results. Right? He allowed a mm-hmm. lot of hard contact that didn't turn into runs. The he had the second best Woba on contact on hard hit fly balls. Okay. He had a 415 Woba on contact on hard hit fly balls, right? To give you some perspective, the league average is 805. Yeah. 
he, he had the second best in baseball. Um, like you said, the infield fly ball uh, was 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 substantial for him. The other thing that I noticed that I thought was really interesting, aside from the fact that the swing strike rate dropped on the fastball, it dropped on the slider. The O contact was the highest it's been since 2015. He was giving up a lot of hits or a lot of contact on four seamers outside of the zone, which isn't something that was a usual thing for Verlander. Elevate the four-seamer, get it out of the zone, and have success, right? He had a 76% O contact in his four-seamer, which is uniquely high for him. Um, now, again, swing strike rate jumped pretty considerably in August and was largely better in the second half than the first. So it could have been just him working out the kinks after not pitching for a substantial amount of time. Um, this, is, this isn't to say that I think all of a sudden that he's... Uh, a mid to high three ERA pitcher. I don't think we're going to see what happened when he, you know, in his last year in Detroit, but there, there are little things that you can pick on here to be like, he might not be that top 10 guy along with the fact that he's going into his age 40 season. And one last thing, I was fully wrong on him last year. I thought his four seamer took significant steps back. And as a result, because it's such a centerpiece of his arsenal, it was not going to work. Apparently, guys got sticky stuff back in the second half, and it worked out just fine. And I bet it will work out. I wouldn't surprise me. He he still has a twenty eight to thirty percent K rate. That's fine, but there are those weird red flags. Uh, so that that does concern me a little. Yeah, I, I just I keep going back and forth on it because I can't deny the fact that like you don't just have a one seven five year rate and a point eight three whip because of luck, right? Yeah, we totally, totally, right. I I can say whatever I want about, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that. The dude had that for 175 innings. Yeah. And it's not like Martin Perez doing it, right? Even Martin Perez had a whip well over 120. So it's it's like, yeah, all right, Verlander, I get it. And I'm not out on him. I'm not going to say anyone that wants to take Verlander that say, how dare you? You're so wrong or anything like that. I would never do that for anyone. But really just with Verlander, I get it. He's still going to a winning ball club with the Mets. Um, which I don't, you know, I, I say that almost tongue in cheek because it's just always so weird saying that because anytime we say it and then they don't, they find a way. I don't know. The Mets are Mets. Um, everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's going to have a low whip though because of that one low walk rate. That's always a thing for Justin Verlander. Mm. And that's why he's had these sub one whips for a long time. Yeah. So I don't want to discount that. He should have a better whip than a lot of the guys here. The question is, are home runs going to return in a major way? And are the strikeouts going to maintain themselves? I don't know. Mm. I And I could be undervaluing him. I could be putting him ahead of DeGrom because I just don't want to deal with DeGrom, right? Um, should I be putting him ahead of Max Scherzer? Maybe, honestly. It's a really hard one to, to spot for me. But as of right now, I have him at 11. And uh, we'll see in a couple weeks if I feel like, you know what? Maybe he does deserve to be ahead of... Scherzer and so does Luis Castillo in calling it a day. Hmm. Um, all right, well, let's move on to number 12 real quick uh, in Aaron Nola. Um, obviously, you've been living every day like it's Nola Day for, for some time now. He, he comes in at number 12, as we mentioned. Lowest Sierra of his career last year. Didn't really have the highest K percentage or swing strike rate of his career, uh, although the sinker and cutter did remarkably well. But the home run to fly ball rate was the lowest of his career at about eight percent um the spike we saw in curveball home runs completely went by the wayside while he gave up just as many home runs on the four seamer uh, a lot of other interesting tidbits about nola but l- let's get to why you're thinking he's number 12 
the way I see it is that there are a lot of guys that are these these amazing 200 inning good amount of strikeouts good ratio guys that are mm-hmm. just the prototypical volume he's on a winning club Foley's gonna flirt with over 200 strikeouts he had more strikeouts than Dylan Cease last year did you know mm-hmm. that? Uh, 237, if I remember correctly. Ah, 35. 235. Oh, Loser. I'm losing it. I'm losing <laughs> a step fast. Yeah. Uh, but no, Aaron Nola, I, I know that it's always been this almost like a back and forth every other year. Nola does well. <laughs> Where he had a 287 ERA in 2019, mm-hmm. then 328, then 4863, then 325. His four seamer was so good last year. Yep. And that should not be over overlooked. Uh, so it was the curveball once again. The changeup didn't come through against lefties as it has in the past. Low hard contact rate, but just a 58% strike rate against lefties, which is a little disappointing. Um, and it's it's a staple for Aaron Nola. But fortunately, the 75% strike rate on the curveball was still there. 198 batting average allowed on that pitch. 20% swing strike rate. Um, against lefties, he does such a good job, Aaron Nola, at going glove side up and in to right-handers, sorry, to lefties, and just stunning them. 28% called strike rate <clears throat> on his sinker. Guess what the put-away rate is for Aaron Nola's sinker? Uh, I know that it was a career high, but oh boy, it's very good. 28%. 31. 31, yeah. On a sinker. Good. Yeah, it's fantastic. And if you don't know what that is, when Aaron Nola throws a sinker in two strike counts, is it a strikeout? That's that's essentially a third of the time. That's really good against lefties. Uh, So that's that's really awesome. Uh, I love that he has that skill down pat, and that's just really showcasing his command, right? Um, And against righties, I mean, yeah, the curveball is just super devastating. The four-seamer was actually really, really good. Um, against four seamers as well. He wasn't as good as uh, the 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 changeup. Uh, it was sorry the change the righty and righty crime that sometimes we see like Max Scherzer so good at the righty righty changeup these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Nola again took a step back um, with it. Thirty two percent hard contact had a lot more mistakes with it. Like you can't do that if you throw a changeup righty and righty. You better get it out of the zone um, and not in a good place to hit. And he did that a little too frequently um, this season. Got burned by that. Uh, Three twenty batting average allowed. Three sixty eight woba. Not ideal, 389 uh, batting average, uh, Babbitt, I should say. But but the sinker had a 33% called strike rate because he backdoored that. 29% put away rate. What is this? Sinkers? All glove side and working? Oh, man, you don't see it. I love it. He's the one guy like I trust with it. Um, but what really makes that effective is, of course, pairing it with the, the four-seamer. So you think it's the four-seamer starting away, then the, the seamer comes <clears> back <throat> over. What I'm trying to paint is Aaron Nola is a command pitcher who happens to have a really, really amazing breaking ball in that curveball and a sinker that stuns batters. And you could make an argument that it was just a season of Aaron Nola in rhythm for 205 innings. You know, that was the second most of all pitchers in baseball. That's unbelievable. Only Sandy Alcantara was higher last year for Aranola. 11 to 13 record should be better. So if you're looking at any sort of player rater, that's probably the harshest uh, grade for him is that only had 11 wins with a 325 ERA. But Aranola is just really good. I mean, that that's the same thing with Verlander is you get a guy who should go a lot um, and give you lots of strikeouts, good whip. The debate between Verlander and Nola is I expect 
a better ERA from Verlander. Hmm. I don't know if yeah. I, I do not expect the, uh, as many strikeouts though. So really, it's between the two of them, uh, between Verlander and Nola. Uh, take your pick. But honestly, I the, in the mock draft that that I did, I got him in the fifth round fast. Yeah, that's pretty unbelievable, especially because you probably want all hitters in the first four. Absolutely did. Yeah, you that's unbelievable. Too. Right? Yeah. Fifth round, getting Aaron Nola as your SP1 is like, yeah, that's the rock that's, I put in every single week. That's a dream. Yeah. Right. Um, interesting to see he had the lowest whip of his career. I do think the bounce back and forth is funny. But one last thing, uh, one of only six pitchers who had three or more pitches with a sub 300 Woba. He threw three pitches over 500 times, the four seam, the curveball, and the sinker, all with sub 300 Wobas, which is pretty remarkable. I also think it is interesting that he amped up that cutter usage. I do wonder if the cutter uh, helped boost some of the other pitches, uh, and that could be interesting to see if he moves forward with that coming into next year. And as you mentioned very aptly, he goes to he goes glove side with that sinker more than a lot of people, and I think that's what gives him success when putting putting guys away. Um, all right, yeah, we, he, we've got he does the, the X Games that yeah, David the, Cohen talks about a 20% swing strike rate against uh, righties last year with that cutter. The X Games being that goes off the plate while the sinker comes back on the plate. And yes, Fast, I'll give this Love to it. you. I'm not going to steal it from you. Thank Don't you. Worry. I would absolutely kill you. We got plenty of other pitchers <laughs> to get through 13 through 20, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break. All right, we're back. We're talking 13 through 20 here and Nick Pollock's 11 through 20 uh, SP rankings. We're, we're diving back into a guy that's just considered in these ranks as just a pitcher. We're not ranking him overall as a pitcher and hitter. We're talking about Shohei Otani uh, coming in hot at number 13. Very, very good year for him. In my opinion, should have won the MVP. Some important things to take away. I mean, boosted that uh the innings pitch total to 166 which i think theoretically could be his max if he continues to hit but not bad at all 233 era with a 240 fip and a 273 sierra i mean there are so many unbelievable statistics that would just blow your mind even if he was just a pitcher the fact that he does this and is still able to hit 20 plus home runs is unbelievable but for all intents and purposes we're just talking about him as a pitcher shohei otani number 13 what are your thoughts well, Shohei Otani realized, you know what? Maybe I should just throw lots more sliders. And I think uh, that slider is one of the better ones around. Um, debilitated both sides of the plate. 72% strike rate against lefties. 72% strikes against righties. Sub 21% hard contact rates for both. Uh, lots of swing strikes. And a 40% CSW against right-handers with the slider. <laughs> Threw it about 39% of the time against them and then uh 29 percent uh against uh lefties with that slider it, it is a really really amazing pitch i wonder if he can i don't know if he can really sustain this i worry about the four seamer uh the four seamer had a 270 batting amateur loud last year against lefties i feel like it's not that well commanded and it's really the the sign of his demise often uh, when he does struggle, I uh, the the other real uh, issue I see is that the splitter doesn't get enough strikes. What do you know? It's a splitter, and I don't think it gets enough strikes. And also the fact that it was 166 innings last year. He doesn't get a two star week ever, and I uh, I don't know if we're going to get more out of Shohei Otani this year than we got last year. I mean, it, was, it worked out so well. 101 WHIP, 233 ERA. He was able to give you 219 strikeouts and all. 
I just I can't get over the fact that I thought last I thought 2021 was the peak of 130 innings for Shohei Otani, and we got 166. How wrong I was. Still, now that we have uh, that in our pockets, he's still the most you know injury prone pitcher you could say because he has doubled the chance to get hurt. And I just ah. Uh, I just can't do it considering he's so reliant on that one pitch. It's a slider. It just feels icky to me because of that. So it I doesn't love feel like a number moment. 13 ranking. I know it doesn't because he was just so good. And the slider is that amazing. Um, well, now we're, I mean, now we're getting to like a little mini tier of, Hey, you are really amazing. How, how much are we going to see of that? Right. And by the way, I got my numbers wrong for the right hand stuff. The slider, by the way, 22% swing strike rate, 48% usage against right-handers as it should 42% CSW against righties uh 133 batting average allowed like oh my gosh it's so dumb it's so dumb it, it, I remember blowing uh sorry blowing <laughs> it blew my mind against the Astros uh mm-hmm. where he just said I'm gonna throw like 60% sliders today and show you what Tani destroyed them it, it just feels more fragile than I want out of my SP1 but Aaron Nola really to me is like the end of a mini tier and it's really Shohei Otani and the next three guys all have this um, linked where they have like one really amazing pitch and it's about ensuring that the other elements of their repertoire don't let them down. How, how did we stray so far from God's path, Nick? I just, yeah, you look at these numbers, not you. I'm just looking at these numbers again and being like, I just cannot believe this man was an MVP. How, how like 166 innings with a 2.33 ERA and 34 home runs. I understand he broke a record, but like, what are we doing here? If we don't think that that's an MVP, then what are, what are we even doing here? That's unbelievable. I, think that's, I was so I was so conflicted because yeah, he is the best player in baseball. We know this. We know this. What he does, but then again, like WAR isn't on his side. Yeah, but we know that that's not even perfect. And even if it was perfect, he's like one war lower than Judge. I don't know. It's just, it just yeah. boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. That's crazy to me. Um, all right. Uh, let's let's move on before I have an aneurysm. I mean, do you, do you agree with this ranking? Should he be lower, higher? Um, I haven't done him in my rankings yet, so I don't want to commit to it. I, I, I think there's a good point to what you make. Like, I think this could be a season where it's like, this is the ultimate output for him, right? Because this was without really missing any starts, right? You know, he was able to kind of balance his schedule. Maybe he got pushed once or twice, but I don't think he ever hit the IL and missed a missed a start as a result of that. No, he was hitting happening. the entire way yeah. through. He was hitting the entire way through. So like you're you're probably not gonna you're never gonna get 175, 180 innings unless again they decide, okay, you're not gonna hit for a while. So the 166 seems realistic. I would struggle to see how he gets higher than a 33% K rate. Um, and I would struggle to see if he could even get lower than what is essentially like a two ERA. So at this point, you're just hoping that he either replicates this, which is very difficult to do year over year, or takes a small enough step back. Um, so I can understand putting him at 13 because, like you mentioned too, the other guys that we're gonna get to behind him might not have um don't have as long of a track record right they're the same in that they did it for one season and they looked fantastic and then the guys behind him who are 17 18 19 20 maybe you could make a case that 19 might have as high of a 
floor, high of a, uh, uh, be able to perform as well as he did in last season, maybe. But like all of those guys, I don't know if they have the same ceiling that Otani did. Um, let's get through the rest of the guys yeah. and then the people can decide for themselves. Let's move on to, unless you have another closing comment well, on Otani. I, I, there is. Um, I really do want to ampl- uh, emphasize that Otani's slider against right-handers might have been the best performing pitch in baseball against right-handers. Mm. Um, that's how good it is. And having that is why you have those ridiculous numbers. Because what do you know? You face more right-handers and left-handers. Yeah. Um, lefties is where it gets kind of weird. And I don't know if he should be throwing 31% four-seamers against them. It was pretty average against them. Slider was still really good, but he only threw at 28% as opposed to 48% of the time, right? And it's coming into the barrel, but he made some mistakes, more mistakes with that. The splitter is just not consistent enough against lefties. He only had a 52% strike rate, but it didn't miss a ton of bats. Uh, 29% put away rate for it as well. Like he's supposed to get put that pitch out of the zone, right? So you're going to see low averages, low all this stuff, because if it ends at bats, it's likely a strikeout. That doesn't mean it's necessarily great because there are a lot of them that ended up as a ball, right? So you know it's, it's, a, it's tough. Good. You know what you think about is there are going to be so many guys who have never seen Shohei Otani stuff who are going to see it this year, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about like okay, you know maybe a guy who is familiar with Shohei Otani's slider because they're in the same division might know to spit on it a little bit more or whatever. But like because of the schedule this year. There's just going to be so many more dudes seeing Shohei Otani for the first time. And I wonder if guys who have better stuff are going to be, uh, you know, going to have an advantage because of the fact that they're seeing so many different hitters who have never seen them before. Sure. Um, but I don't know. That's one of those things that is extremely difficult to equate, if possible at all. But anyway, we got to get to the rest of the people on this list. Let's move ahead to number 14, another guy who's there are three guys we're going to talk about who we've hinted at. We've discussed a little bit in the past, in the past couple of podcasts. Very hot topic, guys. Number 14, we'll kick it off with Spencer Strider. Now, that's relatively low compared to what I've seen. A lot of people are in the top 10. What I made you know. put Strider at 14? I know. 38% carry. What on earth? That's crazy, Spencer Strider. Yeah. 267 ERA, 0.99 whip, right? 132 innings of a Strider last year. I get it. Fourth best in hard contact rate because, what do you know, most of his bats are or played appearances are strikeouts or, or a walk, right? Um, so <sighs> I, I, I do wonder if I'm going to have Christian Javier ahead of Strider ultimately. Yeah, I might. Um, the fastball deserves its success. The slider is actually pretty underrated. If you ask me 24% strikeout rate last year, sorry, swing strike rate last year, sub 10% hard contact rate, which is just dumb. Um, as it had a 30%, uh, put away rate, tons of strikeouts on it. It's, you know, he's really good. Um, against right-handers, oddly enough, the slider's kind of average, uh, which I, I was more surprised to see. And I think you're going to see uh, a little bit more struggle with Strider this year because, yeah, he doesn't have depth to him. And generally when you do have just one or two pitches, you have to be a little bit more consistent with the slider than I think um, Strider is at the moment. To really just get past those times when, like, look, you're not spotting your fastball today, or you they're just taking them out of the zone and you don't quite have it. And to combat those moments are what makes really good pitchers into elite ones for a full season, a full 180 plus innings. And we haven't seen yet from Strider. And generally, I like to talk about 
pitchers going through adversity and then coming out the other end of it. Um, I don't really think that we've seen the adversity from Strider quite yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm not propelling him into the top five. Um, I might have him below Christian Javier, who I have next, because I think Javier has actually been through a little bit more, and I trust his breaking ball just a touch more, I think. Um, but they're both really good. There's also an argument to be made, I think, that Strider throwing 100 at times is more injury-prone than Christian Javier throwing 94. 100%. And there's something to be said about that. All right, if you want to play the predicting volume game, then Javier theoretically has a higher chance for more innings, and considering I treat them pretty dang similarly as far as a skill set goes, I then why wouldn't I want Javier ahead of him? So, believe it or not, Christian Javier, despite having a slightly higher walk rate, had a better whip in 2022 and a better ERA, just slightly fewer strikeouts. So, between the two of them, uh, I have Strider right now just because, yeah, the guy had a 38% strikeout rate. I mean, geez, that's that's kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, but I might, honestly, in February, have Javier ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, there's some interesting... We're going to get to break down Javier next as he's number 15, but there are some interesting things about Strider. Like, if, if I did this correctly, which I think I did, his, his four-seamer by Woba did get worse as the game progressed, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because... Right. He's got two pitches. And, and I prefer the opposite. I prefer the Rodon and Verlander method of being effective at lower velocity than ramping up. Yeah. And then, so that was interesting to me. Also, like, the, the four-seamer is obviously very, very good. And in many ways, it's it's elite. I mean, it's stuff plus, it's fantastic. But, you know, the Woba and Ex-Woba both fell outside the top 10. Um, 15th best swinging strike rate overall as a starter. Some people mm-hmm. might go look and be like, wait, no, it's in top 10 everything. If you just look as a starter... It's, it's a little bit different. You can filter on that on Baseball Savant. Um, the thing that is going to stick with me is something that you you hit upon. And Derek Rhodes, who's awesome and does like some of the best injury work in oh, fantasy, yeah. um, looked up how often guys who have oblique injuries return to the IL because of an oblique injury, right? Like how, how nagging that injury can be. And he found that it, it wasn't. Right. It wasn't very nagging at all, which, um, you know, yeah, that's good. But I I asked him again, like, okay, well, if you bucket for velocity, how how, you know, how how nagging is that oblique injury? Because a guy throwing 92 who has an oblique injury. Yeah, he's probably not going to re-injure it. But if a guy's throwing 98 to 100, is he going to re-injure that oblique injury? Because there's so much more pressure and force applied to him. And the the sample at that point just got too small. So we don't necessarily know if that's going to lead to it. I mean, I think people need to make a decision. The projections have him at 153 innings. If he's if he's not injured, he's going for more. Right, right. He, the 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 leash is off. He can go to 180 because he had 130 last year at most. I mean, at least he could do 180. But if he's injured, then 150 seems like it's it's tougher to to hit. Right, he could be a 120 to 140 kind of guy. Right. So you see, it's either 120 or 180 is what you see. Yeah. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, and then there's a really there's a really strong argument um, to put this little mini tier I have. Um, there's a very popular name also coming after. Uh, behind the more secure ratio guys. Yeah. Um, and I might make that switch. I remember, again, on Discord being like, dude, I don't know what this entire... This entire 11 through 20, again, is just so difficult. Um, yeah. And 
what can I cop out? I'm gonna say, hey, it depends on your team construction. Who do you, you can, want? Yeah. Do you want the uh, the strikeout ceiling or do you want the ratio ceiling? Um, or do you want the ratio floor, right? I mean, I say don't draft Tobies, but these guys aren't Tobies. They're still gonna get you like 180 to 200 strikeouts, but Strider could get you like 230, 240 of them and with the same ratios. Yeah. Um so in my head, it's like one of those like all right, we saw Corbin Burns do it in I uh, in 2020, and we were like, okay, we'll put him at 20 or something. And he went and became a top five starter. Um, do we think that's the trajectory for Spencer Strider and Christian Javier? I don't know. Um, you won't you won't be upset having the other guys. Um, the other guys are really are Max Fried, Alec Manoa, Julio Urias. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna get burned by them. The the chance of that those picks failing are lower. Uh, which is why I'm not saying Spencer Strider in the first three rounds. I'm saying after Nola, and that's not going to happen. I mean, look, Carlos Rodon and Aaron Nola are, and Zach Wheeler and Brandon Woodruff, all those really are going after Spencer Strider. Mm-hmm. I, I really do not see myself in a draft getting him because I have him as low as I do and other rocks uh, ahead of him. The one that I'm more interested in, I'm going to talk about in just a second, but first we have to take a quick break. I'm so TO'd about that because I ha- what I was going to say, it's such a good, I had such a good one because what I was going to say is, you know what I, you know what makes this whole thing so nice for me? Do you know what cost Spencer Strider is for me in my home league? I'll tell you right after this break. And now I can uh, tell you it's, it's, you know what? It's I like, got you again fast. You know, you know. get one, I get one. I know. I makes know. it nice. But uh, what it's, is the cost of Strider in your home league? It's like three or $4. Oh my gosh. All right. So because I picked him up. Yeah. I don't have to even worry about it. Like he's going to return $4 no matter what. So I love that. But let's, but let's move Javier though. Yes. That's it's Christian Javier is that. So this is the thing. Christian mm. Javier would be, I think a buck or two cheaper. And I was trying to see if I should a trade buck. for Christian a buck. <laughs> I was trying to see if I should trade for uh Christian Javier, but I think in a, in a, uh, in a points league that values strikeouts so much, I'm probably just going to hang on to oh, Spencer so, so Christian Javier, I mean, I was I was talking about him a lot in first pitch Arizona. I kind of expected the NFBC, uh, I don't know, ADP to go up more on Javier, and it hasn't. Uh, he's been able to go seventh, eighth round in the in the two mocks that I've done for twelve teamers, and that is pretty much. I just write in my notes: get Javier as your SP two. Like mm-hmm. you just do it. Sure. Um, you don't have to get him as your SP one. You don't have to, like Strider. You have to do SP one. So great. If I get Carlos Rodon or Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler plus Christian Javier, are you kidding? Yeah. Um, his slider was much better against the lefties than it was for Spencer Strider. Christian Javier's breaking ball, I think, is more well refined and consistent mm-hmm. than it is for Spencer Strider. While the four seamer, guess what, had a higher swinging strike rate. Yeah. And Spencer Striders, I believe it has uh, Christian Javier is like number one in VAA mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in the majors. Um, and that should tell you how his four seamer is that good elevated. Um, That's vertical approach angle for those who yes. might not be familiar with VAA, which is just like measuring where uh, the your pitch crosses home plate like vertically we can yeah, break that down a little bit more in depth in another show but yeah flatter it is the less likely it is at the top of the zone to go through the bat plane because mm-hmm. there's the bat swing is going up and not flat 
I, but it's such a good pitch. I mean, I, just, I can't get over this. And his, his approach, oh, yeah. Look at that 65% high lock on a four-seamer. Mm! So what do you want to see? High put-away rate on the slider, 28% last year. 62% strike rate, 35% CW, no hard contact allowed. And it's a winning ball club. He won 150 innings last year. The Astros lost Verlander, have not replaced with any starting pitcher. It could be a five-man rotation instead of a six-man. This is the year for Christian Javier to be let loose. I love this. Um, it's Spencer Strider, but not four rounds earlier. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I want Christian Javier in every league. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He's so good at expressing hard contact. He's so good at getting fly balls with the four-seamer and the slider, just getting guys under that pitch. He did an interesting thing two years ago where he amped up the velo on the slider but lost some of the movement on it, and then he went back the other way. He really dove into the kind of sweeper mentality of it. Um, and to me, I think he can actually amp up the the, the slider swinging strike rate. It was 17% last year, and I think there's a chance he could actually hit 20 with it. So I, I really love what he possesses. I do think that he theoretically becomes a lower injury risk, as you mentioned, because of the lower velo. Mm -hmm. In my rankings, I have done both uh, Javier and Strider, and I also have Javier over Strider because I really think he, he might. I think the innings goes to Javier in all likelihood. The ERA could lightly, likely be a wash, but I actually think I lean Javier with the whip maybe being a full wash and K's going to Strider. But give me in that case, then give me more of it. Give me like more innings, right? That, that's that's my preference there. The uh, the one pushback, I think one of the things that I haven't really talked about a lot with with Javier is it does feel like. I uh, that he's more susceptible to walks than Strider, even though they have a very similar walk rate. It does feel as if that's just like a blip game for Strider, while Javier kind of felt more consistent. And this could just be anecdotal um, with how he approached guys and was just like leaning so much on the high heater, um, whereas it was 50, 49% zone rate on it, while 54% for Strider's four-seamer. Um, so that was a 69% strike rate while uh, the four-seamer for Javier was 68. And it might be closer to 66 or something like that while Strider might actually be hinting at 70%. Mm. That is the one aspect that I think had me originally uh, uh, putting Strider above Javier. And I might leave that. Still, I want Javier in every league. I mean, I, yeah. I, just, I just want the fella. And the thing is, you should get him... Instead of going after Dylan Cease, who's just a worse version. To me, he's a worse version of the Strider-Javier thing. Why? Because both Strider and Javier have elite four-seamers and, I would say, a plus slider, if not borderline elite as well, while Dylan Cease just has the slider. It's just the slider. Mm. <laughs> and I... Uh, it drives me crazy. He has a higher walk rate than Javier and, and Strider. Had a worse K rate than both of them. Had a higher whip than both of them. Um, the one benefit, I mean, ERA, I think, like, really, it's not going to be a 2-2. We all know that. The one benefit is he threw 184 innings last year. He's done that. And that's what has, I imagine, gravitated people towards Cease in drafts more than, say, Javier. He's a 14 and 8 record, whatever you want to say. I think Christian Javier has the higher odds for wins than Cease next year because of the Astros versus the White Sox. 
and likely will get more opportunities to because remember Christian Javier didn't start for a good month or so last season and he'll probably be able to go a little bit longer in his games this year Dylan Cease I know it seems like oh Nick you're off of Dylan Cease again this is ridiculous you know if you're just doing it for the strikeouts you realize Aaron Nola had more strikeouts than him last year and that was in a peak inning season for Dylan Cease if you want more strikeouts then go get Shane Bieber when his 200 later on you know, you won't have to endure a 10% walk rate, mm-hmm. an 82% left on base rate, a sub 10% home run of fly ball rate. I, I just don't think that Cease can do this when his fastball is just not good. It, yeah. It's, it's well, average. It's average. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad fastball. I'm just saying it's not what it needs to be. The curveball isn't either. It is below average against lefties. It is below average against righties. The four seamers slightly above average against uh right-handers the slider oddly enough is not as is not elite like otani's slider against right-handers is one of the best in the majors really ceases slider soars more against lefties because it does the degrom thing it goes down and in to lefties which i want everyone with a good breaking ball to do you should be doing this stop trying to just do backdoor stuff alc manola please go down and in into the feet oh my lord luis castillo we were talking about last week right uh, Dylan Cease does that, and that's really the thing that unlocked him a bit. Also, last year, increasing your slider usage from 31% to 43% is a big deal when it's that good mm. of a pitch. So clearly better. He also upped its strike rate, which is also a big deal. So those are two aspects that I wasn't banking on Cease to do. I didn't really anticipate that he would make those changes. While guess what? The four-seamer got worse. Uh, lower swing strike rate and about three to four ticks down on strike rate. That's not good. It's swing strike around the curveball, Dylan Cease. Five points lower. 55% strike rate. Not good enough. So I, I see this as a peak year for Dylan Cease. Very risky proposition. But it's such a good slider. And it's fine. It's not like a detrimental fastball. It's not like the, the Waskari Noah problem. Because it's not, it's not a horrific pitch. It's just not a great one, you know? So go get Dylan Cease if you want it, you know? But I just... There are other things to choose here. Go for those things. Yeah, it's a very valid argument. I mean, I think, the, you know, it's, it's a good way to put it. I haven't really heard that argument as much as I've heard the others, which is about the BABIP, the left on base rate, the second half stuff, right? Well, right. Um, he still had good ratios in it, but yeah, 24% K rate in the second half for Dylan Cease. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I was looking into those splits, and he had a 215 BABIP, 87% left on base rate, 365 FIP, 427 XFIP in the second half. But it's. I think it's worth noting that a lot of those metrics were actually the same or worse in the first half, and they didn't. <laughs> impact his era at all right? right like to me it's it's in some ways it's a little bit of cherry picking stats and not looking at them fully contextually one of the things that i think dylan sees might be able to do better than i think that we give him credit for is induce weak contact like it yeah. seems like he's he's able to get weak contact with his breaking pitches and his four seamer when he needs to because yes while i agree that that four seamer is relatively average by a lot of metrics by woba by average itself by swinging strike rate the hard contact did take a step back three percent yeah yeah he, he was able to take a, a positive step forward there what is kind of weird is you don't really see a lot of guys pumping 97 who take steps back in terms of swinging strike rate on a pitch sure. like that right you want him to be a little bit higher than that so maybe there is a step forward that he can take there but like 
I don't want people to look immediately at the 10% walk rate in the second half BABIP and think that's the end-all be-all as to why he's going to regress. I do think he will. I do think that ERA is going to fall towards more that Sierra, which I think was like a 3.68 last year. I don't think that's what his ERA is going to end up being. But to me, uh, I I don't know if necessarily he's all of a sudden going to be a mid-to-high three ERA guy. He's had success two years with this kind of ground ball fry rate ground ball, ground ball fly ball ratio that he's been able to maintain. So yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on C's. You know, what's so shocking is that he increased his high lock on his four seamer by nine points from 50 to mm-hmm. 59. And he decreased his swing strike rate. Yeah. I wonder so if guys weird. are just getting under it. I wonder. And yeah, you'd think if he's elevating with 97, that right. he'd be able to pick up some more whiffs there. But I don't know. I, I would like to see maybe what counts he's doing that in or what. But there's there's four other guys yeah. that we got to get to and what actually five because we're going to talk about number 20 between two people. So I want to move on to number 17, Julio Urias. Uh, I, I got to say a huge fall from where you originally ranked him in your top 200 rankings. Um, what was it that had you push Julio Urias outside sure. of the top 15? So um, a couple things really quickly. If you guys listen to that pull hitter podcast, I talked about how difficult it is to be an analyst uh, and have to talk about people who we don't think are good humans. Mm. Um, I talked about in the context of obviously TB, but also, uh, you know, Jeffrey Springs not wearing a rainbow badge and stuff. And I feel it's important as analysts for us to showcase and highlight who these humans are. But also recognize that for us, it's really difficult of a position where we don't want to actually talk about them, but we understand you're going to be playing your fantasy leagues. You're going to have these players in them and they are, you know, the game is still being played regardless of what we think about the person. So I want that to be clear. I don't like Julio, uh, a DV charge that is very real and and terrifying and uh, the human, not a fun guy. I don't respect him, um, but here we are. We have to talk about him. So carry on um but Julio Urias I I I brought him down 24% K rate from last year um and I think I was I'm trying to understand two elements of that I'm really trying to adjust my rankings a little bit this year a put a little bit more of an emphasis on strikeouts which is really odd for me because I'm Mm. usually like a strikeout fiend but then I realized I normally do those when they are outside of the top 30 or 40 right Mm mm-hmm and that's where I put my emphasis on strikeouts because you're not supposed to find them effectively with decent ratios. But when you're up here, I put a lot of emphasis on, hey, man, the ratios are such an important thing that we overlook. And having 175 innings last year from Urias of 216 ERA and 0.96 whip, that cannot be overstated, right? Um, but it's a sub 200 strikeouts. And the difference between him and Aaron Nola, 235 versus 166 is a major deal. That, that that's a lot fast quick maths here have me at 70 strikeouts essentially different that's 166 to 97 uh that's a that's a major difference right uh so i i pushed on urius underneath those strikeout guys and i have him freed and manoa in this way of both about 24 25 percent strikeouts um also urius is more uh we were supposed to be let go by the dodgers last year but he kind of got tempered a little only 175 innings didn't go to 185 as he did in 2021. And uh, I don't think he has a ceiling of 200 that we want him to have um, that we might have had in the past. All of that said, the curveball is really, really good. Um, it's it's really a phenomenal pitch. It's going to keep being a phenomenal pitch for him. 
The changeup could get better this year for Urias. Uh, hasn't really been a big swing strike rate pitch for him. Only 16% this past year, only 21% CSW. That's gone down as the the hard contact has kind of been all right. But I think that that can improve for Urias. And the four-seamer was actually kind of weird in the beginning of the season. Lost its velocity, but then started gaining it as the season went on. Uh, I, I kind of think it's a solid offering. It's not really the most amazing thing ever, but it's better than Cease's fastball, I think. Um, lots of strikes with that and really sets up the curveball well. And you have that defense in L.A. helping him out. You have a lot of wins behind him as well. as Maybe he does go 17 wins again. He has 37 wins across the last two season, seasons. So Urias, again, is another one of those rocks that, yeah, you have Urias. You start him through the year. You're going to get really good ratios with it. And you're hoping that he can climb up to 200 strikeouts. But in all likelihood, he's going to be around the 170 mark. I'm trying to see. I think he, he, he hit the aisle once with like a calf contusion. So probably got like a comebacker. Um but why the the innings total was at around 175. I know he was pushed back one or two starts. He made um, a very there's a there's a few interesting things I noticed about Arias. One elite with runners on, like elite, like yeah. seventh best Wobo with runners in scoring position. 87 percent left on base rate. Oh my lord. Yeah, and that to me like. Uh, you look at that and you're like, nope, no way that's going to sustain. But he might be able to because he just seems like when guys get on, um, he, he's really good. Uh, sixth best Woba on the four-seamer. Fifth best Woba when behind in the count, which I really love. Wow. Like, d- did not matter. Just I just love the chance that he's in it no matter what, right? Like, it seems because that to me says he can limit explosive innings, right? Yeah. If a guy gets on, if he's behind in the count, he's he's there with him. Um the little diminished velocity in the last month of the season of uh, the mm-hmm. four seamer sat over a full tick down, um, which I don't know if that was because of injury or what, but I don't like that. He hit 175 innings and all of a sudden lost a tick on his four. That's a good point on Arias. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, he did get 93 on the final game of the season, um, which is good, which is what he averaged for the entire year. 93 in the previous one, but then 92 and the mm-hmm. for the 92. So I see that. So that was kind of interesting to me, too. He also made a change to his four-seamer. Um, he added a, a little bit of cut to the pitch. Um, it got a little bit more drop than we're used to seeing from him. He added some gyro to the pitch. They still couldn't square it up. It's like a real... He, like, ended up... I believe he still worked up high in the zone with it, but added properties to the pitch that you wouldn't necessarily associate with a pitch that should be elevated up in the zone. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, to be honest. Like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, the Dodgers are far smarter than I am. Um, the, he's the guy that I was talking about where it seems like during the offseason, they were like, hey, this is a change that we're going to make because we think it's going to benefit your overall overall arsenal. And it's just one of those things that as analysts with the amount of information that we have, we're never going to be able to know. Right. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing that they did with his curveball and slider a couple of years ago. Where yeah. at the end of the year they were like, "Hey, start to combine that into one pitch." We just don't know that that is going to happen. Um, I do think, in theory, there is a path for him to get a few more Ks. Um, I also think that he's got a the, the the home run issues we saw are largely split based. A majority of the damage that we saw with the home runs came in the first half. He gave up seven home runs in the first half on his curveball, and he gave up one in the second without much of a usage change. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Like, I, I think there can be a step forward with Urias in terms of K's, but I don't think it's a 28, 29% step forward. That's a career high. And I don't think it's achievable for him, but it's about, you know, I think it's very fitting that you put him with this next guy because it's all about 
where, uh, what the ratios are going to be. And I think they're going to be really elite and you're going to get a lot of wins, but I don't know if you're going to get the innings, especially from him. I don't you know, know if you're going to get the Ks. Arias mm-hmm. had a 229 Babbitt last year, but easy to say, oh, okay, well, you throw that away. Expected Babbitt was 232. Yeah. He's just but, good you know, at limiting hard contact. Yeah. Like it's, every pitcher is totally different. And while I think it is good that we often say that's probably going to regress, you have to look at the context. It's the same thing with Cease. Like there's a lot of context with these guys about their ability to induce weak right. contact. And that that is usually that something is that valuable. can be sustained. Now, yeah. I, I, I think it is very important to also put that qualifier of, yes, he had a 229 batting average allowed or BABIP and the next BABIP of 232. But that's with him performing at the level he was last year. And mm-hmm. sure, that's what he deserved then, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be in that yep. same rhythm next year, right? We're not saying totally. that that is not what Urias has done in the past in 2021. It was a 276 Babbitt with a 270X Babbitt. That's still better than the 300 we see across league average, right? Mm-hmm. So that's still good. His hit per nine then was 7.3 as opposed to 6.5. That's really good. That's still great. That's kind of why I'm more believing in it. I'm not saying 230, but yeah, it should be under 280. It should be like, a, you know. You want to split the difference by all means have a great sure uh, he should be really good at that i do think it's very fitting as we move on that you put number 18 as max freed because these guys their names appear on a lot of top 10 lists that i've been pulling up we talked about how well julio arias does with runners in scoring position the person who did best in baseball in terms of wobo with runners in scoring position is max freed he had a 187 woba with runners in scoring position. Again, led all of baseball. 10th best Woba with runners on, not just in scoring position, but runners on overall. Ninth best in terms of innings per start, which I know will perk your ears up a little bit. Consistent, uh, statistically the most consistent pitcher in all of baseball last year. And then my favorite metric, sometimes you know how, like, this is something I always noticed as a kid, that the best pitchers in baseball always seem to suck in the first inning and then dominated two through seven. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, Max Freed was not that. Yeah, that, that's yeah, exactly. A, uh, it's annoying when Aaron Nola does that, right? Uh, yeah, but Max Freed was the opposite. He had a 150 Woba in the first inning, which led all of baseball last year, which kind of is funny because then he got shelled in the playoffs in the first inning. Um, um, but yeah, tell us why Max Freed is number 18 for you. Well, um, Scott White said uh, I, I was, again, very, very lucky to go on the CBS Fantasy Baseball Today podcast with Frank Stample and Scott White. Had a really fun talk with them back in, I want to say, December. Um, and Scott White said, I think Urias and Max Reed are the same pitcher. And it really stuck with me. And I didn't have a great argument against it. And the more and more I thought about it, it's out there. I was like, hey, Scott's totally right about that. Um, and that's why I have them back to back here, because they're both guys that likely aren't going to go 200 innings. They're both going to have really good ratios that you're going to lean on. Good win loss and not the most strikeouts. 170 last year for Max Reed, 23% K rate. But they're both really good at getting their outs and getting through games. That's what you're getting with both of them. Whichever one you want, go and take. Um, I'll go with Max Freed because he's not as bad of a human. <laughs> but uh, no, Max Freed, I think with his approach, um, actually has a ceiling that hasn't been reached yet um, with his slider and his curveball. I remember when he first came up. There was more intrigue, I think, from me in that with that slider in the second half of 2000. I guess it must have been 2019. Um, I was hoping he would take another step forward with it. Uh, But only a 14% swing strike rate last year with it. And the curveball isn't the big down and into right-handers that I want it to be. The changeup showed up last year. I had 20% uh, swing strike rate, which is very interesting for Max Freed. 
and maybe that can push him over the limit with it. But I think he struggles a little bit trying to get it down. It's too much uh, YM lock away. He needs to really focus on getting that pitch lower with more consistency for it to really be a um, a, a more effective offering, I think, for free. It was still very good for him. But there were t- sometimes I feel like he it got away with uh, from him a bit. Only sixty percent overall strike rate for Freed's changeup. While the four seamer, I mean, I'll still go back to this Juan Soto interview in the middle of last year's offseason of talking about Freed's movement on his fastball being a two seamer inside and a cutter away and so on. Um, it's really cool, and he does a great job of establishing the zone with it. Sixty-seven percent strike rate on it. Doesn't get too banged up with it either. There are times that that is the problem with Max Freed is the four-seamer. Um, but that means he needs to rely a little bit more on the slider and the curveball and the changeup. And those really aren't those wipeout pitches. So it's a bit of a kitchen sink for Max Freed. And that's okay. That's fine. Does a really good job of jamming left-handers with that sinker inside. Um, and it does also mean that, hey, maybe there's something more if one of those were to really explode. I think... I want to go back to the change up for a second. Yeah. I think he's going to unlock more K's this year. And yeah. that's why I think I'm going to put Freed ahead of Arias and why I think I might be in. Mm. Because I, I also noticed the, the change up stuff, right? So you already mentioned the 20% swing strike rate. 19% swing strike rate last year, uh, about 20% overall, started introducing it in two strike counts a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, largely to righties, but he did pepper in a few against lefties. He had a 22% swing strike rate on the pitch in two strike counts. That was right. the sixth best in baseball. 24% um, put away rate on changeups for Freed. Very good. 46% O swing on the pitch yep. last year, which I love. 22% swing strike rate on it when it was outside of the zone. That was fifth best in baseball. Mm. When he threw that changeup out of the zone, it got whiffs. That was better than 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 Pablo Sandoval's. Uh, Pablo Sandoval's. Than Patrick Sandoval's. Irish Panda, uh, baby. The Irish Panda. That was. He also had a career high overall thirty seven percent O swing, um, and the lowest zone rate of his career, and a very low for him seventy six percent contact rate. You match the fact that I think the swing strike rate didn't he up it a little bit overall? I can't remember. Remember well, last exactly. year slightly, yeah, thirteen percent from twelve point two percent. But the K rate did not translate to it. The K rate actually yeah. took a step back, yeah. uh, very ever so slightly, right? So I think there is an opportunity with the changeup and how he started to introduce it that maybe he just got a little bit unlucky. I do think with the arsenal that he has. And like I said, those other metrics in terms of O swing and, and uh, overall swing strike rate that lead me to believe that he could take a step forward. Now, granted, l- let me let me temper it a little bit. This isn't a 28, 27 percent swing strike uh, K rate guy. I don't think it ever will be. But if he can get to a 25 percent K rate, dude, and give you 185 to 195, like there's there's a chance he could be a 200 strikeout guy. Okay, yeah, I feel like I've been waiting a little long for free to be that. And it's been three straight years of just being a 23% K rate guy at this point. I hear you. That, that is the biggest question mark for me. And even with the introduction of the changeup, the swing striker didn't really change all, all that much. I will say this. Um, you talked about the first inning of Freed being very good. Well, it's not represented the game log as the first game of the season left five earned runs. This is actually what Freed has done for two straight seasons now, is that he stumbles a little bit in the beginning, and then it's amazing after. So we already had amazing ratios, 248 ERA, a 101 whip. 
But that goes up to or goes down to a 230 ERA to one whip after that first start of the year across 180 innings. I mean, he was an absolute lock for you. There was whole year. There were two games above 300 runs, and those were four. <laughs> I mean, one of them was six innings. Uh, another one was a 5.2 with a win. Um, so Max Fried is a rock for your teams. Mm. And I don't want that to be overlooked. And some might feel, oh, no, I didn't get some big, you know, Corbin Burns or McClanahan or whatever. You got to sell for Freed. Fine. It might not be the same amount of strikeouts, but then you can pair it with someone else who will get more strikeouts. And you'd be surprised to see that Max Freed does not go in the first four rounds. He goes a little bit later than that, fifth round or so. And you can find that if you go five, six, seven, starting pitchers. Ah, what a wonderful time you will have. If it, the start you were just talking about where he gave up some runs in the first, that was in April? Uh, it wasn't runs in the first. It was his first game of the year. Okay. What date was that? Uh, I assume opening day. Um, so it was like April 13th? Uh, no, no, no. I believe the 7th. Was it the 7th? The no, it wasn't the 7th. Sixth. It was the 6th of the April? Sixth. Yeah. Seventh. I don't see the it was the 7th. This, no. I, it's here somewhere fast. It has to be in the 13th. It has to have been the 13th. It must have been. Okay. Uh, put it this way. He gave up 20% of the hits that he gave up in the first inning happened in that game. Oh, no, he no. Gave up. Fast. What are you doing? It was the 7th. It was it was April 7th. April five 7th? Runs against the Cincinnati Reds in 5.2 innings. Eight hits, one walk, five Ks. I wonder if he didn't give up a single base hit then. Because I'm looking at his uh, the, amount of, the amount of hits that he gave up in the first inning. And I don't see anything. Eight of them. Interesting. I'll we'll have to check Savannah on that. Um, all right. I wonder what's going on there. Um, all right. Let me, uh, let's move on to the next player on your top list here. As I go back to our tab, uh, it's number 19. Uh, another guy that I wonder if you, I don't know. I haven't looked yet, but I, I wonder if you might be a little low on him comparatively. I'm curious to see what the full spread is for him um, over the course of the year. And that's Alec Manoa. Uh, what are you thinking about Alec Manoa? Number you guys know, 19. I think Alec Manoa is really good. Um, I was very much in on him entering this year because I think his slider has such beautiful movement. His four-seamer performs really well. Uh, and his, his changeup, I don't know. Changeup we're not going to talk about. But the sinker can do some magical things. Um, <clears throat> the thing is about Malik Manoa is that he had 23% K rate last year. And that's just, wait, what? That's, uh, that isn't right. Um, he's really good against right-handers. Malik Manoa has a 19% swing strike with his four-seamer against right-handers. That's crazy. That that is absolutely nuts. But the uh, the swing striker drops in about ten percent against lefties. So that's mm, I don't know that 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 is the issue for Alcmano. If he can learn putting that slider down and in to their back foot, could be really good. Um, also, the sinker could be like Aaron Nola's a little. You could say like the front hip stuff. I, but I, the sinker actually last year was a little bit of an issue for Manoa where he threw a little bit too many in the middle of the plates. He didn't really have it jamming right-handers as much as it used to, but I think that Manoa should be better next year, but not with the 2-2-4 E, right? I think that was a little bit fortunate. He did pitch better. And I think actually Ek Manoa is the reason is a good, um, good piece of evidence for Kevin Gosman. That Kevin Gosman's flaws are not just the home park and the Toronto defense. 
But Noah does a really good of suppressing hard contact, like a really good yep. job at this. And I think there's more to squeeze out from that slider. I think he also had too many mistakes with it. Um, there's a really good thread, and I want to give a, a shout out to them. I wrote my thing on Alec Manoa um, before you know, a couple of days ago. It was actually, I think, it was on Friday. Uh, but there is a Toronto Blue Jays uh, analyst who had a fantastic thread on Alec Manoa, and I'll find it in a moment. And I want to give him credit. He mentioned the Aaron Nola thing. Uh, I'll let you look that up. Oh, you got it. Black, sports okay. tech guy. Had a really good thread on him. I agree a lot with what he's saying. But uh, Alec Manoa, like, just like Frieden, uh, Arias in this way of lots of strike, uh, not as many strikeouts as other guys, but he threw 196 innings last year. He's a He's got that dog in him. And uh, while I think the ERA and the whip are a little bit more susceptible than Arias and Freed's, there is that strikeout upside that could show up. So I'm debating even putting him above Arias and Freed, but I don't quite know if I'm there yet. Yeah, the, the drop in the swing strike rate is a little bit concerning. I mean, that's pretty precipitous. I mean, I understand it's 86, 70 more innings, but like go from 28 to 23, 5% drop, largely because that four-seamer is a little suspect. Um I do want to say I, I realize where we went wrong with Max Fried. He did give up a lot of runs in his first start. Those were not in the first inning. Right. Uh, that's that's the, where I was, I was getting trying, confused. Yeah, gotcha. I know. Sorry. Sorry. I was focusing allowed, on the other that thing. That was actually he was an out away from a quality start and then allowed two runs with the singles. So yes, yes, yes. That's where that's where we went astray. Um, I see what you're saying about Manoa. I think there is an interesting case to make. I mean, I wonder. I mean, if if he's had a 15 percent. Swing strike rate on that four seamer, you have to think that he's capable of doing something similar to it as opposed to around the 10, 11% that he put up last year, which is again very, very good. Um, but I could see what you're saying there. I mean, man, that is a really interesting discussion between Urias Freed and Manoa. Right. So I have them all between them. And I, the more I think about it, it's like this is something that in the past I haven't done enough, which is young pitchers taking steps forward. Mm hmm. Um, especially after a season or two when we think like they should keep getting better. Like Manoa, I don't think actually gets worse as a pitcher now. Yeah. Right. Like Manoa should do, should tweak and fix and everything. And there's a part of me that says, yeah, Alec Manoa isn't going to have a 23% K rate again. I just yeah. don't think he's going to, I mean, it was still 180 Ks. That's still, you know, a little bit more than the other guys, but that's also because he threw 197 innings. But yeah, I kind of think that Manoa should have a 25-26% strikeout rate. And if I believe that, then he's kind of in like the Aaron Nola range at that sure. point. Um, so I think I, I I think I've just talked myself into Manoa uh jumping ahead of Urias. Um, but but it's it's close. To your credit of what we were kind of talking about before, where it's like, does it matter? Um you can you can really kind of operate like this as opposed to kind of if you're if you're listening to this and getting caught up on who you would really rather have to me or and I don't want to speak for you. you can let me know the, the differences are so minute that it just becomes about who's available at your turn. Right. Yeah. Like if you don't mind having any of the three, I'm looking at ADP right now and this is NFBC ADP. So it's a little bit different because it's geared toward their style of play. But in terms of ADP, they're all within 20. But Julio Urias goes first followed by Alec Manoa, followed by Max Freed. So if you want to wait a round or two when those guys are going off the board and you don't mind having any of the three, get a hitter and then just figure out which one of the three is still available. Yeah, the one difficult aspect of that is, is if I'm saying, hey, go get a starting pitcher around six, seven, and eight or five, six, seven, then you are going to be deciding between one of these three. 
uh, at any point during that. Go get Urias because then it could be freed on the back end, right? Um, but I would say just go with your gut. Who do you like more? And um, who do you want to go and, and chase after? Alec Manoa, to me, I feel... Uh, I, I, it really comes down to like, who do I think could develop further at this point? And I guess I got to give that to Manoa. I, I, I really, I, I think like there's more opportunity there. There's more to squeeze out of the slider. There's more to do against left-handers than he has in the past. He's yeah, maybe. so dominant against right-handers. That slider's phenomenal. 19% swing strike rate on the, on the four-seamer, sub 20% hard contact on. I mean, oof. What we, what so we may good. need to be asking too, though, is like, are the Blue Jays gonna unlock that in him? Are the have the Blue Jays done that with pitchers? Have mm. the Blue Jays taken guys and been like, it's a "Good question." We're gonna help you unlock something. The Dodgers sure have. Right. Um, mm-hmm. These guys start to go in the fourth, though. Like Urias starts to go in the fourth, so you, you you might be able to just take whoever's left in the fifth or sixth because right. they're going in the fourth and fifth round. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on to the final discussion that we wanted to have today. As <laughs> We're going to go a little bit long in this one. Uh, but oh my gosh. The, I, I just stopped saying it at this point. We haven't really, but I know. this one is. I have I, um, done you guys a disservice. I, I wanted to have this conversation. Nick thinks he's already decided, but he was going back and forth originally at number 20 between Kevin Gausman and Shane Bieber. Now, I think you locked in Gausman? Or did you lock in Bieber? Yes. I, okay. I, I think I've locked in Gausman. Um, Gausman. I'm going to trust the Orioles fan here. Uh, I, I don't gas remember. <laughs> I always think I always think of Dumb and Dumber like the gas man. Uh, I don't know I got gas. So, so I okay. If you guys watched my Twitch streams as I went over these guys, I what I've been doing is essentially writing the top 200 blurbs um, beforehand because this, this is really to help me get that article out and in your hands as quick as possible. While of course then recording the the team podcast, right? And I hope you've been enjoying those. They're really fun. I actually need to update. The Yankees with Frankie Montes before that one comes out. Um, so yeah, I, I do my due diligence with that and make sure that you guys are getting good information on those. Anyway, this is this is the thing about Gosman, all right? We have that 364 Babip from 2022 that everyone goes, oh, all right, it's all bad luck. But if you know me and my my articles in the past, I wrote a thing about Noah Syndergaard. And how his 337 Babbitt was, oh, yeah, that's just bad luck. But no, he deserved it because he just wasn't throwing good pitches. He was throwing more hittable fastballs than we'd like him to, despite his velocity. Mm. And sadly, that is the case with Gosman. So what I did is I, I started, all right, let's go to, to left-handers. How does he attack left-handers, right? And usually when you see a right-hander struggle, it's because they they fail against the opposite handedness. It's That's just the rule of thumb. Is they have some, you know, it's harder to hit a fastball the same handedness if you're a hitter, right? And it's easier for lefties to do that. So I thought I found it. Okay. The the four seamer needs to get better against lefties. Too much hard contact, 37% uh hard contact on Gosman's four seamer against lefties. So many of these fastballs were YM lock. If you've heard me say that a lot and you don't know what that is, it's the middle height of the zone. You don't want to throw pitches there. Okay. He does not jam batters. I uh, it, it, it is not a thing that he does. He stays away with it, allows him to get arms extended, push it out to left field, do whatever he wants, get the barrel on it, okay? This is a problem because he throws strikes 80% of the time to left-handers, mm. all right? He needs to stop being so chill with this and take a thrill pill instead, stop. all right? But, of course, the splitter is amazing against lefties, as it should. 52% O-swing. 
I mean, yeah, okay, that's what's amazing. That's what keeps him in, in the loop here. And by the way, I do want to mention, Kevin Gosman last year, we can all say it's a bad season because of the 124 whip. However, a 335 ERA and a 28% K rate with 12 wins, 4% walk rate, that is very good, right? So it's not like even last year you go, oh, I lost my league because of Kevin Gosman. You didn't. Sure, he pulled you down on the whip, but still, ERA and strikeouts and walks were very, very helpful. Okay. So then I thought, all right, let's see. It's much better on right-handed batters, right? We have this really bad four-seamer for Gosman against lefties. No, it's worse. It is worse against right-handers. And that shocks me. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. I, I, I wrote all these numbers down because I just could not forget them. It's BABIP on four-seamers against right-handers, right? 282 for Gosman in 2021. To, to 426, and it was justified with a 371x BABIP. That is horrific. Hard contact 31% to 40%. X average to 327 from 271. Only 37% high lock on it. It is such a problem, and it's not luck. It is not the defense. It is not the home park. It is Gosman's four-seamer. It is a thing that needs to get fixed. But Nick, he had a 335 ERA with a 124 whip and a ginormous hit per nine that does speak to a much higher ERA if he continues this. But over 200 strikeouts and one of the greatest pitches in that splitter. So what it really does come down to is like, all right, Gosman has this dope splitter and we're going to rely on that to still keep his head above water and hope that the four-seamer gets better. And it's really tough. And, it, and I and I sit here and I go, I don't know if I can do this because are we going to buy that the four-seamer is just going to get so much better while the splitter is at the same ability? Well, the splitter has been at this ability for years, so I kind of need to accept the latter. But it's, it's asking a lot for Gosman's four-seamer to get better. I So I don't know yet. You're going to get lots of strikeouts, and that's something that I don't want to overlook. And... Versus Shane Bieber, who we'll talk about in a second, I think there's more to like overall. That feels a little bit safer, honestly, because Gosman, I feel like, does get better just how much and not as much as I think other people are thinking. So mm. I'm scared a little. It's not the it's not the safety floor of the others. And by the way, I believe this does start a new tier, I should mention. Oh, let's hear it. Just so you know. Let's hear uh, it. I want the the the, the Kevin, Fe Kevin Feige... The uh -huh. real story behind the cape. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, I The thing about it, it is Gosman, by the way, you're correct. The thing about Kevin Gosman um, shows you to trust me is he used to have success going over the heart of the plate with that four seamer. I remember I wrote an article about like elevating and what it means to elevate and stuff like that and wh whether or not you can have success with your four-seamer not over the heart of the plate. And there were two guys who were mentioned a lot in that article, and they were Shane Bieber and Kevin Gosman. Mm. Kevin Gosman got beat a lot over the heart of the plate, right? And you can say, oh, well, then maybe he just won't go to the heart of the plate anymore. But that's what he did in 2021 that gave him a lot of success. That was his formula for success, which is he could shoot knees with a four-seamer or shoot middle-middle because of that splitter and how effective it was and how well it paired. But... He, he got hammered there. I mean, he, he had a 365 Woba on four seamers over the heart of the plate, which was up 50, about 61 points. Yeah. 
from what it was in 2021 and up about 70 points from what it was in 2020. So I don't think that if he comes back and tries to go middle middle again or tries to go over the heart of the plate with that four seamer again, he will miraculously be able to turn it around. So I'm very much with you on that. Um, But let's move over to Bieber then who just it was as if he read everything that people said about him in the opening weeks of the season and he gave him all the middle finger because <laughs> by for all intents and purposes this was a guy who we were paying attention to his velo paying attention to his spin paying attention to his stuff and saying great we were justified in dropping him now i had him higher than most people last year but that's neither here nor there he was able to take a far lower four seamer velocity and he was able to effectively shove with it, right? Lowest ERA of any season where he threw over 100 pitches with a sub-3 FIP and 200 innings for the second time in his career. It's not like the four-seamer was good. It wasn't. But the breaking pitches really were. What are you thinking about Shane Bieber? See, I don't know if the slider actually was that good. That that's uh, So with that, that, my biggest hesitation with Shane Bieber, you know, I was saying in season, the lesson I learned about Bieber was was the fact that I was I was putting too much attention on his weakness. But if his weakness gets weaker and the the strengths are still there, then does it matter? And that was what I was saying is is the uh is the lesson to learn. But I think the, the slider against lefties was hung so much and he got away with it. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the four seamer is still not good. Uh and the curveball uh, the curveball can be so filthy and so good, but I'm really shocked against lefty is 25% hard contact regardless. Um, he had 28% put away rate and he got a ton of strikeouts with it, but he allowed a lot of hard contact with that hung slider a bit too. 28% hard contact on the slider. It's not just the fastball, which by the way, 41% hard contact against lefties. Oh, it's bad. It's very bad. You know, and it, it, it's all very scary to me. I mean, we're talking about a guy in 2020, 2021, went from a 19% swing strike rate, 17.5 to 15, which is still great, but it's it's falling. This is coming down. And uh, the hard contact overall is going up. I think he got away with one here. And that's why you see the strikeout rate go down to 25%. Does it get better? I I don't know that it does. I don't think it's a 2 a excuse me, 288 ERA to 104 whip again. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. He did lower the walk rate 4.6%. I think that comes up a bit. It doesn't just stay there now. And you're going to get worse whip. You're going to get a higher ERA and not the strikeouts that were there before. So I see it as Urias and Freed and Manoa, but a little worse with more of a floor to go to than the others. But at 20 over Ga- uh, Gosman? No, I have Gosman there. <laughs> So here's the thing. I I, I, I have them swapped. Um, if there is an organization that can succeed and has succeeded historically with a pitcher with a poor fastball and elite breakers, what organization is it? Um, I would say that's the uh, hmm. good question. <laughs> it's Cleveland. I can't even like, come you know, up with another team. You know, I can't. It, even... It's now I understand it, it is. It is scary. I, I, there are positives to the four seamer. I don't want to make it sound great because you're right. Not 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 good. I mean, 6.3% swing strike rate was not good, especially for him. He did keep the home runs down despite the hard contact on the pitch. It was a called strike machine. Do you know that his four-seamer led all of basketball? Bas- basketball. 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 What is it? Oh, God. Oh, man, Basketball yeah. and baseball together. That's it led all of baseball. 
it led all of baseball in terms of called strikes last year. No four-seamer picked up more called strikes by percentage than Shane Bieber's four-seamer last oh, year. Man. So I think here's the thing. I don't necessarily know, man, that if his velocity does not tick up, that the walk rate won't maintain because it seems like he's just commanding the heck out of that four-seamer. He's taking back the velo and putting it where he needs to put it to set up his slider and his curveball. Um, 40% of the first pitch four-seamers he threw picked up a called strike, and that was very, very good. Um, and it wasn't even like guys were super aggressive on him. Now, maybe if he does stick with that four-seamer early, they may get more aggressive, but I don't know. Like This is where it's difficult. If he did this with a lower velocity for a full year, of 200 innings and put up one of the what the the best like one of the best ERAs of his career over 100 innings like I, I don't know I mean he also picked up what was the other thing that I saw that was pretty crazy he picked up a 44% O swing on his slider which was a career high last year um that's a that's pretty remarkable so I don't know I just don't like I would be with you if this was 120 innings and I'd be like, yeah, I don't see this maintaining over a full year, but he's over a full year and more. So I don't know. I don't know if there's just something there that we can't quite equate. Yeah, the uh, the zone rate went way up on four seamer. on the four seamer. Yeah, you just put it in the zone and got called strikes on it like yeah, crazy. I mean, it's so scary, though. 27 percent hard contact at 42 percent. It I it freaks me out. I, I, I can't. It, Expo Bacon was 408. Mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean that's that is generally not a two a year right it might even be something that guys know like all right like i have to you know adjust to this his this is something honestly if i'm if i'm uh passing this around on shane bieber he went up to a 70 percent early count um four seamer mm -hmm. um from a 60 percent without a high two strike only 19 percent uh with two strikes as opposed to 31 percent that might be the thing, right? More in the zone with the fastball, more uh, early in counts. Mm -hmm. And that might be a death sentence for uh, for Bieber. I, I'm with you that the slider was... Uh, this is, by the way, against right-handers. I The slider, I'm with you, it increased its usage to... Actually, didn't increase it, but 44% usage increased its O-swing. Great down and away. That is good. I'm, I'm here for that. You, believe it or not, you only threw 5% curveballs against righties, which is really shocking. I uh, and uh, against right-handers and the cutter was fine-ish. Tried to go more off the plate with it. Kind of worked, kind of didn't. I don't know. I, I I don't think he goes higher than this, right? I think that's my real problem. Is I don't think Bieber, like this was a peak for me when it comes to mm -hmm. Bieber. I, the 25% striker rate, do you think that gets better next year? Um, Not without some sort of velo change. Right, no. right, for Bieber, exactly. So that's, I think that's the crux of my argument is if we're saying with Freed and Urias that they have this floor and then uh, opportunity for better, while with Bieber, 288 ERA, 104 whip, 25% K rate, 7.7 hit per nine, it's either this or below. I'd rather go for the guy that could get better. Sure, I hear you. But the difference to me is... Bieber could get 200 innings and get you 200 Ks. And I just don't see Urias getting those innings. Mm -hmm. I don't see any, a lot of those other guys getting those innings. So I, I think it's, I think it's totally valid. I, I definitely agree. Like maybe if he increases the slider, maybe he could get more swing and misses, but you're right. It's tough to say he's got a path forward, but over 200 innings that, that might well, just he's not gonna, be Bieber's not going to do it either. He hit 200 on the dot. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And he Got actually him! didn't throw 
He didn't. He didn't do a uh, uh, two hundred uh, Ks either. He had one ninety eight. One ninety eight. Um, oh my gosh! What a slacker! I know. Seriously, loser. Unbelievable. Um, so you're st- so, but that's the thing too. So I guess the the the, the similarities are Kevin Gosman, Gosman, excuse me, and Bieber. Poor fastballs. Gosman obviously better velocity, better secondary pitch. Papa Bieber Johnson. more secondary pitch options, but Bieber. I think we could probably agree that Bieber will likely end up with more innings than Gosman, right? Who? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Maybe I am. Huh. Well, it's that I think Gosman does get better, mm-hmm. and I think Bieber gets worse. And I know you see the giant gap between WHIP of Bieber and Gosman from last year, but I don't really think yeah. there is a gap next year. I really do think that I. That Bieber, I mean, it was really just a change in walk rate. 8% to 4.6 is why you have the 121 to 104 for Bieber um, for his whip. But I, th- oh man, I just think it's Well, let's, let's break it down. Let's break it down categorically. We'll, we'll yeah. give, you know, we'll give innings to, to Bieber, right? Okay. We'll give whip to Bieber? Yeah, slightly. Okay. That sounds crazy, so we'll, slightly. We'll give K's to Gosman. Yes, and we'll give ERA to Gosman. I'm going to at least. Really, ERA to Gosman. Yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. Okay, so and, then honestly, I also the- don't want to just assume that innings also will go to Gosman. I think it's actually closer than you think because when the hit per nine comes down, which it would will to some degree, it's on nine point seven. It's not going to be a seven likely, but it's on nine point seven. Mm. Uh, that will increase his innings, right? So he had 175 last year across 31 starts. Gosman could get 185, 190. God, um, Bieber is so much younger than Gosman, Bieber's which blows gonna, my mind. And Bieber went 200 innings and should get more into more trouble. Thus, it goes down, right? So it's not that big of a gap for me, inning-wise. It, I, honestly, at this point, though, it's still relatively two to two in terms of categories, which leaves the tiebreaker as wins. And that's the last thing you ever want. Um, yeah, there's that, no that's a Gosman. You're giving that to Gosman. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. It's wins. So yeah. You can never predict it. Well, yeah, I mean, more winning ball club with the Jays. Um, that's that's it. <laughs> Only one of those better teams offense. won their division last year. Better offense. Yeah. OK. Yeah, for sure. That's for a, sure yeah, that totally happens to do with that all right um but yeah this is i'm fine with either one and i think i mean i've seen gosman get pushed up a lot farther than this mm. um and i'm not on that train sorry to say it but uh we'll see mm. i mean it, again this is like the the five six seven eight those rounds as you start dancing um those <laughs> are the rounds that i'm feasting on again yeah, uh, and like a lot of these guys, I'm going to get them on. Like you'll be finding yourself in 12 teamers with sometimes three of these pitchers. Yeah, and that's great. and then you're living the dream. Then you're living the dream. That's great. Um, Man, Nick, that was, a, that was a that was a I know that was a that was a lovely conversation. I, I really like that going back and forth between those two guys. Um, and I, I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. But listen, that is going to do it for episode number 367 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host Alex Fast, and I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.